This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Grace Bonney, an author whose latest book, Collective Wisdom, Lessons, Inspiration, and Advice from Women Over 50, was published on November 9th. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. Um, Would you be so good as to read our third and final letter for us? Absolutely. The subject is pseudo-sister. When I was a teenager, I made a friend online. She was 27 to my then 16 and had taken a liking to me based on the content I put on Tumblr. She made multiple offers of friendship, which I at first dismissed, but she assured me she wasn't some creepy adult and that she understood me based on my writing. This was the first opportunity I ever had to tell someone how bad my home situation was, and I really needed it. I was homeschooled, not even a guidance counselor to call CPS on my abusive parents. This friend became a huge fixture in my life. I would come to her for advice about health, money, my relationship with my first girlfriend, my early estrangement from my family— And when I was struggling to make rent, as I was chronically ill and uninsured, she and her partner allowed me to move in with them across the country. This didn't go very well. We had a few disagreements, largely when I would express a difference in opinion. When it came time for me to move out, she scheduled a few attempts to talk about it, but then canceled them all, mostly ignoring me in the house when our paths would cross. When I was able to move into my new apartment, I did so in the middle of the day when they were at work. I left a sincere thank you note with my keys and left the household group chat. I attempted to text her about something unrelated the following week, and she never responded. Her partner never responded to my message about coming to retrieve some furniture I had left behind. I was 18 at the time. Lately, when I think about this, I catch on two things. One, that maybe we haven't spoken since I moved out because the way I left signaled something I did not intend, like some formal end to our friendship. Two, that it must have been exhausting for her to have had me as a friend at that point in my life. I was so reliant on her for so much over the three years of our friendship, and when I think about it, I still feel the urge to apologize. I don't know that I would want to be friends with her again, necessarily. Some of the things she said to me still keep me feeling guilty for asking other friends to hang out. You're not entitled to my time, was a big thing she said to me. If I were to ever be visibly disappointed whenever a plan fell through. However, now that I'm 23... I can't imagine the stress I must have had her under by coming to her for so much. When I think about how much I needed her, I feel embarrassed. Would a belated apology letter be appropriate? Do I just need to sit with my discomfort? I don't think I quite realized it, but I I, I really feel like today, uh, like intergenerational conflict was the theme of these three letters. <laughs> it um, was. I am aware of my own initial reaction to this. Um, and I, I think I have a strong sense of where I want to make sure I don't go too far in a particular direction. But I'll, I will start by saying, letter writer, I do not encourage you to write an apology of any kind. That's where I'm starting. And I'm making a big thumbs up in, at the same time. I very much agree with this advice. Yeah. Um, where, where do you think we should start with this one? I, I, I almost just wanted to say, like, first of all, letter writer, congratulations on surviving your childhood. Not everybody yeah. does. Yes, absolutely. I want to acknowledge like what sounds like an incredibly painful situation that necessitated you leaving home to find somewhere else safe to be. 
that's an incredibly difficult thing and traumatic thing to navigate as a young person. And I'm so happy that you were able to get out of those situations and to find something that maybe was not the healthy friendship and relationship that it seemed like it could be, but that you found your way out of that. That's a really big deal. And I also want to take a moment to just acknowledge that I think sometimes there are friendships that may seem like they're not great from the start. They, they could seem a little... Um, like they're not set up in the best way. And I think that they can still be okay. So I don't want to look at this friendship as there's an age difference. There's, you know, there's some things that could have been a little bit exploitative happening here. But it, to me, it does sound like there was something happening. I guess my point is that I don't think those friendships have to inherently be problematic. But I do think it's important to acknowledge that there was an imbalance of power dynamics in that relationship in a really big way that makes me a little concerned and makes me, frankly, really happy that you were able to leave that situation. So yeah. I, I think my I have this very overwhelming feeling of concern and just wanting to make sure this this letter writer is is safe and not taking too much responsibility for what happened when they were quite young. Yeah, I I I, I felt similarly. Um I, I agree there's there's not something in this letter that felt like a really, really clear cut, okay, this you know, this friend from your past crossed like such a serious line that I actually think that you should consider them to be like dangerous um, to your well-being. But at at sort of the best that I can say about her relationship with you is that in some ways she was able to provide you with necessary support. And in other ways, it's sort of like she cleared the bar of being better than your abusive parents. But that does not that's a very low bar to have cleared. And there are other bars that it seems like she wasn't able to clear. So yeah, I mean, in the same way, letter writer, um, I think that I'm really glad you were able to find some place that you could stay while you needed to save up money and then get your own place. But opening your home to 18 from an abusive home, um, who's it sounds like when you moved in, you were maybe 16 or 17. Um, and then getting angry with them whenever they register a difference of opinion and giving them the silent treatment, that's bad. Um, I don't think she should have done that. I think that was inappropriate at best. You know, um, even if you were really acting out, again, you were a teenager from an abusive home fleeing a pretty rough situation, um, and she had a lot of other options available to her at the time uh, aside from just icing you out. So, I would encourage you, letter writer, not to think like, wow, I must have been so difficult in order for her to treat me like that. I think that was, in fact, an indicator of her own emotional shortcomings. And um, what what I see, the sort of um, trajectory that I see in this letter is like, you were writing on your Tumblr at 16, a stranger in her late 20s got in touch with you and said, I love your stuff. That's fine. Um, you kind of appropriately were like, oh, thanks, but like kept a distance. And then she, you know, went out of her way to say, don't think of me as a weird adult. Um, I understand you. Which again is not necessarily itself an indicator that somebody is a danger, but gosh, that's what the creepy adults say. Like that is, and I don't say that letter writer to say you should have realized that again, like you were 16 and writing down your feelings on Tumblr, you were doing exactly what teenagers do. But, you know, that 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 raised some bells for me. Like a, a, an adult, 
getting in touch with a teenager based on what they write and like saying repeatedly, let's be friends, let's be friends. And then when the teenager's sort of wary saying, hey, don't worry, I'm not a creepy adult. That's what the creepy adults do. That is not itself an indicator of like good boundaries or an ability to respect somebody else's limit. So I actually, um, I, I, I don't think that was like an incredibly generous, great thing of her to do. I think that was at best odd. I'm so glad that you were able to, as a result, share like some of the abuse that you were experiencing and get some of the like help you needed to leave. But again, like better than your abusive parents is not the same thing as super, you know, self-possessed, mature, healthy adults. Absolutely. And I think it's important to remember, and this is hard when you're young and there's not like multiple, multiple decades of age difference, but maybe just one to remember that that person was in their late 20s. They were aware of your the experience you were coming from, from your background, what you had lived through. For them to understand all of that perspective and to have not applied that to the way they communicated with you, how they ended that, you know, living relationship, that really concerns me. Because I think if someone is really concerned for your welfare, they should take in your place in life into account. And I think in that particular situation, you were a minor, they were an adult, and they were very much or they should have been capable of understanding oh, I am taking in this person into my house. This is a person who has gone through some really traumatic stuff that could result in, you know, communication styles that need some work or some extra support. And it sounds like instead you got iced out. And I think a lot of times when you get iced out or ghosted by people who have been supportive in some way, and again, that bar seems a little low, but if you've been kind of ghosted, it's it's really hard not to kind of look backwards with a magnifying glass and to be like, let me find the place where I made a mistake, where I made this Mm -hmm. happen. And I really want to stop and honor the part of you that told you, hey, I'm going to move out in the middle of the day when they're not here. That voice, that does not come from nowhere. That is a very wise and protective instinct. And I don't think that would have been triggered if there wasn't some little red flag happening that you were picking up on. And I think what's difficult about life is sometimes those red flags coexist in the same person who can also provide even limited moments of support. But I would really encourage you to to respect and appreciate that voice because I think that really kept you protected in a way that you needed in that moment. And so if you're going to go back and look back at things where maybe you want to take accountability for something that happened, I would also really honor that part of you that that really came from a sense of understanding and knowing internally and that maybe kept you safer than you realized. Yeah, I, I, I really just echo all of that. You know, letter writer, you say, um, gosh, I feel like she must have been exhausted. I was so reliant on her for the three years of our friendship. Again, letter writer, I want to stress, for for most of those three years, you were, you were a minor. You were a teenager who was fleeing from an abusive home. Um, and this was a relationship that she... Uh, sought out um, and in fact like encouraged you to disregard your initial sense of like oh thanks but let's keep our distance from one another like she went out of her way to encourage that reliance I think and it sounds like as long as you were coming to her for advice and and um, kind of uh, letting her you know I don't want to speculate too much but like making her feel powerful or important or like she was kind of in charge of your development um, she was pretty happy and then when you wanted to grow into your own person with your own thoughts and ideas about how your life should go, she, she turned cold. And that is, I think, quite cruel. 
and I think um, speaks to something about what sort of relationship she wanted. And I I feel sad. I I don't want to suggest, letter writer, that you need to think every time she was ever kind or encouraging, I should think of as only instrumentalizing, as only manipulative, as only coldly calculating. I, I hope that you can still look with fondness on the support she was able to give you that did help you. You you are entitled to feel good about that. You are entitled to f- feel like, yes, that did help me. I'm glad that happened. But man, what you were doing then was really normal, healthy, and appropriate stuff for an 18 or a 19-year-old to be doing. And I'm really sorry that she treated that like a bad thing. Um, and so I think maybe you just found the limit to her ability to be in a, um, you know, sustainable, healthy relationship with you. If her response to you sometimes saying, I have an opinion of my own was, I'm not going to talk to you. Um, then that, that is not because you were too exhausting or you did something wrong. Um, that is because you, you found the limits of her empathy, of her compassion, of her honesty with herself and you. So, you know, letter writer, I really get why a few years on you, you miss that kind of intermediate stage of getting out from your family and into your now adult life. But um, please do not apologize for having started to become your own person. And again, like, you know, you left your keys, you left the group chat, you made a couple other attempts to talk about logistical things or to say friendly things. They they froze you out. Um, it, it sounds like you were in many ways the more mature of the three parties involved. I'm I'm really so blown away by this letter writer's maturity, not only in the way that they navigated getting themselves into a safer environment than the way they got themselves out of that environment. But then, you know, even though some of it is attached to maybe a false sense of needing to apologize, like to be aware at that age, even in your early 20s of accountability is a really big deal. And it sounds like the emotional maturity that you are already operating in the world sort of like we were just talking about. I think you may have just kind of surpassed what this other person's level of emotional maturity was. And that, again, doesn't throw away all the things that were meaningful. But I think it's that complicated grown-up thing of being able to hold both of those at the same time, that there were a lot of things that happened in that relationship that may have not been healthy and supportive. And there also were things that happened in that relationship that did provide a way for you to get out of something that was even more dangerous. So I think that's a really complicated thing to hold at the same time. But listening to your letter and reading it, I really got the sense of that you have a level of emotional maturity that I maybe wish you didn't have to have at such a young age, but that I think will serve you really well going forward. And I would also just encourage you to find someone you feel safe talking to um, about where you're kind of desire to reconnect might come from. Um, maybe mm-hmm. you can, I, I'm, I'm so curious to know in the good moments of this relationship with this couple, what were the things that were good? What did those feel like? What did those look like? What did they bring to you? And maybe there are other places that you can get that now in your life. And it doesn't need to come from those two people. Because I think a lot of times culture tells us that like closure is something we have to have in every relationship. And there must be this sense of mutual understanding and, uh, you know, kind of shake hands and and leave. But that's just, that's not true for most relationships. And I think it's okay to leave this where it is, but to instead just be curious about your feelings in it. Because I, I think you can feel closure and a sense of understanding by just being curious about your own feelings and what you need at this point in your life. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think my last thoughts are, you know, a letter writer, you say that you have sort of two things that are stuck in your mind. The first is that um, you're worried that the reason you haven't spoken since you moved out is because you might have signaled something you didn't intend, like some formal end to the friendship. I don't think that's the case based on the facts as you have laid them out here. I think what happened was that your friend did not want you to grow so much that you became independent of her um, and either did not know how to or did not want to handle like appropriately and honestly her own disappointment that you weren't becoming, you know, a, a clone of her. Um, and she responded to that very badly indeed by icing you out and, and giving you the silent treatment. Um, so it's not that you sent the wrong signal. It's that she had a bad reaction to something totally normal and appropriate. And then the second, you know, I, I don't think that you were exhausting. I think she was easily exhausted by, again, really normal, low-grade, not even conflict, just like being different people um, as roommates. Um, so again, this doesn't mean you have to think of her as a monster or a bad person. It doesn't mean you can't look on that time with fondness and experience, you know, a certain pang of, gosh, I wish we had like left on better terms. But this is not a situation where an apology is called for uh, on your end. And I think you are right to feel like, ah, oh, it's not exactly that I want to be friends again because I didn't like the way she treated me. I just wish we had said, you know, goodbye in, in a warmer way. Um, and I get that, but I don't think that's something that you can um, get by apologizing to her. I think look back with fondness on the memories that you appreciate and focus on the people who are in your life now. And I just... I wish you the absolute best. Thank you so much for writing in. Um, I'd love to hear how you're doing in a few more months. So please feel free to write back. And and that's it. Those are those are the the questions of the day. These were really good questions. I feel like it's a it's sometimes kind of a bittersweet reminder that I think we're all trying to grapple with what our needs are and what the needs of other people are and how we find a comfort level in the gray space because it's not easy. Yeah, it's really not. And I think it, it, especially this this last one served as such a reminder to me. Um, it is so easy, I think, for older people to develop um, unhealthy attachments to the idea of how someone else ought to grow up. And I think that causes a lot of unnecessary pain because there's this sense that somebody else's growing up should still be something I can direct and superintend. When in fact, that's not growing up. That's just compliance um, or agreement um, and that uh, oftentimes people are very very challenged by the idea of young people having autonomy um, and, and I hope that's a reminder to all of us uh, to, to not do that to the young people in our own lives Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with a guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>